Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first time Time Lord watcher. I, I've never seen Doctor Who until I started this podcast, and now I can't wait for every week to sit down and watch the show and then podcast with an expert, somebody that knows significantly more than me and can kind of fill in all those gaps that a first-timer would get. And for this episode, we're talking about The Doctor's Daughter, which, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to talk about this episode. So I needed a very special expert. I needed somebody who understands me emotionally, physically, and uh, at some point this week may have even talked about uh, getting married to me so that we could participate <laughs> in things. That is the lovely Jamie Kern. <laughs> that sounds so bad out of context. So you know, bad. we're nerds. We we get so passionate that we 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 do things for each other. Uh, uh, it's true. It's true. Yeah. But you but, have a lovely wife, and I love her, so please don't exactly. anybody think no, I'm no. trying to break up a marriage. <laughs> no, no, it, it's a very Dr. Donna kind of marriage. It would be, Correct. you know, it's like we're not really together, but we are for the purposes of Jamie is uh, <laughs> right. privy to getting to do some things that would be amazing. And she thought, it's like, oh, it'd be great if I could invite you. Uh, but, you know, we have to be directly related, so... That's why she asked for my hand in marriage. And I said, sadly, we're not in Utah, so I cannot do it. It's but true. I would. It's true. Um, right. Welcome back to the show, Jamie. Thank you. You know, I have to tell you that I had my first celebrity moment related to your podcast. Ooh. I met, I did. I met somebody. Her name is Terry Joe. And I met her through a work thing. And I said, I don't think we've worked together. I don't think I know you, actually. I know you by name. She goes, well, I feel like I know you because I listened to Daniel's podcast. And I was like, oh, this is what a star feels like. <laughs> <laughs> you are a star. I know. It was so exciting. <laughs> you are a Doctor Who expert and people appreciate it. So that's awesome. I'm glad that you got recognized. Yeah, it was great. So I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, you're gonna you're gonna put in, uh, you know. I hope you've got your your uh, expert Doctor Who shoes because we're we're gonna run a lot in this episode. Yep. Uh, so again, dear listener, if you have not uh, already watched The Doctor's Daughter, now would be a perfect time to pause the podcast because from here on out. The conversation will inevitably spoil the plot of the episode, and this is a really good one. So you don't want to have the plot of the episode ruined by me. You want to learn, like me, more about it and get the full extent of it. So go watch the episode. We'll be here when you come back. So here we go. I'm gonna. We're going to jump all over this episode, but oh my God, the daughter comes out mm. of like a machine that looked like something out of the the fly right like <laughs> exactly and she's beautiful isn't she gorgeous she, i know i mean like immediately she comes out and you're like holy crap she is amazing yeah she's prettier than any human has a right to be i mean a really. little bit i mean <laughs> i i love how uh expertly the machine also applied her eye makeup I know. Wasn't that nice? Her perfect wingtips that she's got going on there. Right. I, I was like, wow, that machine. Like, I wonder what it would do with me. 
right? And her expertly done hair with just the little, you know, little bits of hair out in the front and her nice, perfect ponytail. I know. Right. Like, like I the, love- that machine is really good at uh, cosmetology. <laughs> It really is. Like we, it we is. should invest in those machines uh, for for future events. I think. I agree. But, I agree. Uh, so no, uh, starting really off, uh, Martha gets sort of trapped in the TARDIS. She's trying to get back, and all of a sudden, you know, here's the Doctor not able to control the TARDIS, and they have this whole conversation while the TARDIS is out of control about the Doctor's hand. and it's hilarious because Martha talks about it like she's there and it took me a little bit to remember that she wasn't even there that it wasn't even Mm -mm. her that was the companion she just heard so much about it from uh from Jack yeah that it was it was one of those like oh oh that's right it wasn't even her (laughs) and of course Donna with her usual response of like you're very complicated Right. I'm, and I believe he calls her impossible or she calls him impossible. And he says, I'm not impossible, just a bit unlikely. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, I mean, the, the, her relationship, Donna's relationship every week with the doctor just keeps getting better and better. And I was a little worried that, you know, I, I love Martha. I've made it, it is not a secret. Every podcast, I get a chance to talk about Martha. So the last couple of weeks have been great because she's back and she's doing mm-hmm. things. Uh, I was a little worried on what this was going to be because, you know, Martha's moved on. But all of a sudden, you know, they're getting out of the TARDIS and she's like, oh, I love this bit. Right. You know, like all of a sudden she's getting that that itch, you know, like she she's cleaned herself up from her addiction to the doctor and all of a sudden she's getting another hit getting another hit exactly exactly well and i think it's so great because you know john and the doctor have that sort of brother sister relationship um and martha's relationship with him is just totally different so the dynamic between the three of them is so interesting i mm-hmm. think oh absolutely like the i I we saw we saw Martha and Donna sort of get along together swimmingly when Martha officially pulls the doctor back to earth mm-hmm. and their relationship kind of stayed but you know Donna it was really the first time that Donna had to be faced with the idea of this is what happens when you're around the doctor your family all of a sudden gets put in peril so there really was no major opportunity for Martha and Donna to spend a lot of time. So in mm-hmm. that first moment in the TARDIS, and then in those first moments coming out of the TARDIS, I I was a little worried that it would become a little more contentious, but mm-hmm. Donna was very sort of like, okay, the, the more the merrier. Right. This is what we're doing now. Okay. Right. Right. Which was definitely not like Rose was very much about like, nope, I just wanted to be me. She appreciated Jack's presence. I think mostly because he flirted with her. Right. Um, but, you know, when when uh, Mickey joined, she was not keen on it at first. You know, like she was no, very much about very territorial. Right. And then Martha was also almost immediately smitten with the doctor. So anybody else in that TARDIS was like, okay, who is this person? Or anybody mm-hmm. else anywhere was like, okay, why are you talking to them and not me? And doing that, you know, Charlie Brown, like, why do you like her and not me? 
Right. Right. Like that was <laughs> the, <laughs> that, that was her entire existence. So I thought, ooh, what is going to happen? And Donna's like, okay, sure. Yep. You, you know the doctor. You've done this before. Uh, you know, so it, it, I, I enjoyed that aspect. Uh, but like we said, almost immediately, they land in this tunnel. The doctor, you know, because he has clean hands, gets taken and boom, <laughs> now he has a daughter that he yeah. produced asexually. Right. Which I loved. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. And of course, and of course, Donna being Donna, giving him a really hard time about he is now a father. And, you know, it's like, oh, I've seen that look before. You know, those guys that all of a sudden discover they have a child. Right. <laughs> Although she's definitely mistaken about where that look is coming from. But yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll we'll get to that in, uh, back in a minute because that was a big revelation. But, uh, you know, and Martha doesn't really get a whole lot of opportunity to really take that in. Because almost immediately they get attacked, they get separated, and, you know, the doctor's daughter blows this uh, charge and causes a cave-in and separates them. Uh, and I love, you know, the doctor once again is like, why did you do that? That's my friend on the other side. Uh, and, you know, the this new pacifist approach that the doctor has uh, is front and center immediately in that confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely, he definitely doesn't see the need for the fighting, you know, right off the bat. And so, you know, why would you blow it up? Because you don't need to be fighting them in the first place. Right. Uh, and I, 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 love, I love the fact that he has become a pacifist. And I, mm-hmm. I love that approach uh, because Donna is sort of, she, she's getting to see that side of him because when she first met him he was not in a good place he you know he had just lost uh rose and he was in that dark space that you know for a second or two in this episode we get to revisit Mm -hmm. and you know partly through his own growth but also you know the impact that donna has had in him uh, where she called it out you know you need to be around somebody and the impact that martha has had on him Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I uh, to me, uh, this doctor emotionally can be divided into pre-master encounter and post-master encounter. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because pre-master doctor didn't, you know, he was not the pacifist that he is now. Post-master, he's absolutely like, nope. There's got to be a way. There's always got to be a choice. You always got to give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, it definitely changed him. Absolutely. Yeah. And in this episode, he's faced with that. You know, it's thrust on him immediately when he sees, you know, his daughter almost immediately be, you know, placed in a situation where she has to become a soldier and she has to destroy and take life. Uh, and I, I thought that was really interesting uh, because. You know, it, it's both clearly against who he has become, but there's also that conflict of, you know, she is genetically related to me. I I don't like that she's doing this. Right. You know, and it provides us with an, a little insight into the doctor all of a sudden kind of showing that that side of him that tells us that he 
you know, he, he is significantly deeper than I guess I was giving him credit for. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, for sure. The doctor's got so many layers. I mean, and they just keep getting peeled away one by one by one, you know, and I don't think that there's really any end to those layers. That, I mean, that's an excellent, uh, <laughs> that's an excellent way of thinking about it. Cause it, it to me, Every time I think I know this character and I understand his motivation, something else gets revealed. Uh, And in this case, you know, uh, as you mentioned it earlier, he reveals that he's he's had, you know, uh, offspring before Mm -hmm. that he was a father and the implication, at least through the you know donna's uh acute observation of you talk a lot but you don't say much you don't say anything exactly right uh she you know we we get that they they did you know they were around he was them uh and that somehow he lost them did he lose them through the time war or was there an event pre-time war that led him to lose his daughter or son right and if it was the time war was it his fault Mm -hmm. right so there's there's so much that goes into this question that we don't get an answer to it's you know were you somehow part of the reason that you don't have them anymore or was there just some other sort of accident was it some something else entirely that had nothing to do with the time war or with anything that you did you know so uh lots of questions that that we probably will never get the answer to, you know, because the doctor is not going to tell us. <laughs> well, and his, his lifespan is so large. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it, it seems like he's had infinite amount of experience. Mm-hmm. And I love how, you know, how guarded he becomes. Uh, and he's having that conversation with Donna about, you know, I, I lost them. And when I lost them, that part of me died and it's gone. And how, Yeah, I, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that when, if you were to live that long, you would have to be continuously reinventing yourself and almost having to become a different version of yourself for every new person that you meet, because you cannot possibly go back and tell somebody you know, 800 years worth of history there, it's just not going to be possible. So you have to sort of compartmentalize, you know, the things that he's been through and only reveal so much at a time because there's just so much to be revealed. He, he can't possibly be his whole self with anybody. It's particularly not with another human because their life is so finite. It's almost difficult to understand all the the breadth of experiences that he must have had, and you know all of the things that we as human as humans go through in one lifetime. He's had, you know, eight or ten or twelve different lifetimes like that mm-hmm. to be able to do. That uh, I think that's the part that I loved most about this particular episode was the exploration uh, of that idea. Uh, because I, I've been sort of noticing that throughout 
uh, as the series keeps unfolding and like I like you so aptly put the layers to the doctor keep getting peeled back and revealing just almost an infinite amount of layers underneath every time we get a little bit of that information the only way we can think about it and clearly we are not like the doctor we are human beings uh so when you try to process that idea you think you know in in anybody's lifetime you know we all at some point will lose a parent uh or we'll all lose you know a grandparent hopefully mm-hmm. we don't lose you know a, a child that we know people that have and that's a, you know it, it takes an emotional toll on every single oh, yeah. one of us so to think about the doctor having that had happened to him and then expand you know expand that to his entire species mm-hmm. and for him to have played a major role in that event taking place and just think about just in that phrase alone, the amount of emotion that gets mm-hmm. carried. And the doctor is not alien to emotion. He has them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just imagine the amount of sorrow and inconsolable sadness yeah. that yeah. he's gone through in his life. Exactly. Just when you think you understand the amount of loss that he has experienced you discover that no, that loss is much deeper and greater than you ever realized. Right. And that makes him so sad in a way. And, you know, it's hard, it's hard to remember that sometimes because he could be so funny. And mm-hmm. so, and, uh, you know, so what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, he's such a great leader. So positive. Yeah. And, and, and just takes leadership and, and, and all of that. And then you remember that he he has a really, really sad, sorrowful history that I just don't know that the human mind can really take all of that in, you know? Absolutely. I also think that it's, it's remarkable that a character like that with the infinite amount of sorrow that is heaped onto him at some point in his 900 plus years, he's also had a, a, per, you know, a pretty large amount of happiness and success mm-hmm. and joy. And to you know, put all of that together into a character, it, it makes me appreciate why he would be able to go from the doctor that he was when Donna first meets him to the doctor that he is now. Mm-hmm because of his experiences and to see somebody like the master remind him how important not being alone is and how Mm -hmm. important having somebody that can understand you. Like you said, you know, he can share parts of his life, but it is, you know, it it is unbelievable or, you know, it, it is not likely that a human being would ever be able to fully comprehend the birth of what's mm-hmm. happened to him, the, the, just how expansive his experiences have been. And the only person he could share that with would be another time Lord. And that doesn't exist for him. And right. I think, you know, in this episode more than ever, I really see that 
part of the doctor that shows a little bit of that scar and at the same time so readily gives with his whole being it's not just you know he has two hearts so there's plenty of heart for him to give Mm -hmm. but how even in spite of his own words when push comes to shove you see him love his daughter so much Mm -hmm. you see him uh jenny i think ultimately is the name she she chooses you Mm -hmm. see that relationship start to you know melt away some of those defenses that he had to build and i love that you know donna was right donna says to the doctor that thing you just said about that part of you dying i'm going to say this for the first time ever you're wrong mm-hmm. and that was such a powerful moment mm-hmm. you know that out of all of the uh, i mean i'll be blunt here i did not think that donna would be such an amazing companion to the doctor Mm -hmm. and be able to get him through so much growth in such a short amount of time yeah because you know she comes off as just being a little bit a little bit ditzy a little bit you know um like she's not going to have that extensive emotional mm-hmm. relationship um, and, and really become so close so quickly to him because they do have that sort of brother sister mm-hmm. relationship, right? Like they, they just get each other in a way that, you know, I don't think he, that he had that with Martha, right? Like he loves Martha and mm-hmm. he, and he cares about her, but you know, he and Donna just click in a way that he didn't necessarily do with anybody else. Well, I mean, we saw it when he asked her, he was almost in tears when he said, I, I need a friend, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in, in true Donna doctor relationship fashion, the way he said it led to a laugh moment, but you know, the emotional <laughs> weight was there. Mm-hmm. That, you know, he needed somebody like Donna and he recognized it from his previous uh, adventure with her. Mm-hmm. And she clearly needed him. She was, you know, searching for him, seeking him out. And I, I, I genuinely thought, okay, they just brought, they, they brought this actress in because she's funny. She had, you know, a, a good uh, back and forth with the doctor. And they're going to try to use her for comedic relief. Mm-hmm. And instead, I, I've gotten the comedic relief. But, oh boy, has she really brought out, like, I, I think the best side of the doctor that we've seen so yeah. far. Yeah, I would agree. I totally agree. And meanwhile, we've kind of neglected the conversation. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're not really talking about Martha. But holy cow, has Martha also gone through this uh really i mean clearly her time in that time vortex that got wiped out changed her and really flushed her out into this very self-sufficient very you know unafraid person yeah i love at the beginning when she says now i'm dr martha jones who the hell are you right (laughs) and that's that's really who she is, you know, that it's, she takes no prisoners. This is who I am. So who the hell are you? Because I need to know, you know, <laughs> and 
I, I love that about her. I, I love that she's so assertive and, and just knows that her place is wherever she wants it to be, you know? And I mean, she, she takes charge of the situation. Uh, and it, it's almost like she is, I mean, she is a doctor, but it's almost like she's become like the unofficial human doctor Mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense that, you know, the doctor's the adventurer, the take charge, the, you know, we're going to be positive and we're going to treat people with compassion, you know, saving the the Hoth uh, and, you know, re reinserting his uh, shoulder into place. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she she is this amazing person. Uh, and of course, you know, we know that it is because of her connection to the doctor and her, you know, her past experiences. And I'm glad that we get to see that side of her, you know, because she left us so quickly after the the adventures with the master and and that experience that she amassed that. And then last, you know, the the last two weeks we've been talking about, you know, these uh, proper villains that were just, you know, out for world domination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was great to once again, see Martha in an episode where she's able to show us the, the type of emotional person that she is. Mm-hmm. And I love that we didn't really get to see a whole lot of the Martha loves the doctor. Yes. You know, she, yeah. Cause she even has that moment where they come back to London and the, you know, they walk out of the TARDIS and she she has that moment of like okay this is over and then she looks at her ring and she lights up the way mm-hmm. she used to light up when she saw the doctor mm-hmm. you know so I, I i love that we got to see my martha again and i love that we got to see her really just be this amazingly well-rounded person that is going to be okay yeah exactly you know that is not going to be incomplete for not adventuring with the dark, with the doctor further but that appreciated it. And if the opportunity ever came up again, she would be all too willing to go in and help because that's who she's become. Right. So I I love that about her. Um, But I really, I, other than, you know, what's going to happen, we, we didn't really discuss, you know, at the end there's that fake out, which, I was hoping it wasn't true and I I'm glad that I was rewarded with that moment of okay she isn't uh but at the same time I was a little disappointed uh in that as much as she's been around the doctor I kind of hoped that uh, Martha would be a better doctor than to declare somebody dead when they aren't <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, she's, you know, not a doctor that has, you know, encountered a clone before, let alone a clone of a Time Lord. So there's that. She was Um, able to help a half-human, half-fish person. Yeah, because, you know, they had the same kind of shoulder structure. Okay, uh, she she also, you know, (laughs) almost froze the doctor at one point. Like, she has has conducted extensive, uh, you know, on-the-field repairs of the doctor. She should have known better. To be fair, so I read a little something about this, and according to Stephen Moffat and an official book from the BBC called Companions and Allies, Mm. Jenny did not regenerate, but she was brought back to life by the source. So Mm. she was, in fact, dead. 
and was brought back to life. She was not regenerating, according to Mr. Moffat. So I don't think that poor, let's be nice to poor Martha. I don't think she missed it. (laughs) I mean, I I was going to comment on the fact that the energy that came out of her did look similar to the energy that the doctor unleashed when he unleashed the the little omega six uh or the you know the what was it on star trek to the uh the genesis oh, yeah uh, yeah <laughs> you know uh when when he unleashed the 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 happy fun ball of life the 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 wisps that came out of it were very similar to what came out of her so i, I could see that uh yeah and I that's a good catch that. that's a good catch because i didn't catch that until i watched it a second time after having read this little you know oh, tidbit, okay. this little fact so when i went back and watched it again i was like oh yeah that totally doesn't look like the source it doesn't look like regeneration it does look like the source right um so i but i thought that was interesting it 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 is very interesting and i love the fact that she is now out there i am pretty sure i know what the answer is going to be but are we going to see her again so i mean do you want me to spoil it no <laughs> no if if I mean, she will then either, you just have to say spoilers it, and we're done <laughs> well but even if if she doesn't if i tell you that she doesn't that spoils it too so I, I will tell you, we have not yet seen her return, and I'm kind of pissed off about it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> because there's been all this time, and you think for sure, she's obvi- obviously she's going to be back. Obviously, he's going to run into her again. Mm-hmm. And all this time has gone by, and we have not seen her again, and it really makes me mad. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the, thank you for sparing me that anguish, because yes. I would be every season's like, is this the episode? Is it right? She, no, okay. Oh, that could have. She could have come and in. There've been a couple. Yeah, there've been a couple times where I'm like, "This has got to be the one. This is going to be the one where she comes back." And then she does it, and I'm like, "What is she doing out there in time and space?" <laughs> well, in stepping out of the show for a moment, the the character is played by Georgia, who Correct. happens to now. Uh, in our timeline, uh, she happens to be the mother of uh, several of David Tennant's children because they got married. They sure did. But so, do you also know who she's the daughter of? I I do because I listen to David Tennant's podcast. Okay. So I am aware that she is the daughter of a previous doctor. Yes, of Peter Davidson, the fifth doctor. So um, the doctor's okay. daughter was played by the doctor's daughter. Which... I think that's so cool. That's right? so, like clearly, uh, you know, either Davies or Muffet was like, yeah, this is, it's gotta be her. Yeah. But absolutely. now was this when Tennant met her for the first time? Yeah. Is this so basically. He, yeah. So he met her for the first time during this, but they didn't start dating until about a year later. So I don't know what happened to like rehash it. So then they got back together, but they didn't start dating right away when they, when they made this episode, but it was the first time that they met. Maybe he was still dating the, the girl from the uh, fireplace. Oh yeah. Very possible. <laughs> very he, possible. He was, he started dating her after they met in that episode. So look That's at David Tennant. Right. <laughs> dating in the office. Right. Exactly. And apparently he likes blondes. 
Uh, well, <laughs> who doesn't like blondes? You're a blonde. You know you have That's more fun. True. Uh, it's true. It's true. I can't lie. Um, so they tell me. So they tell you. Uh, but yeah, I I thought that was such a cool uh, moment that it didn't hit me until the end of the episode when I saw her name on the credits. Mm-hmm. So throughout the episode, I was like, oh, wow, she's really pretty. And oh, wow, she's really great. And I love her spunkiness and her attitude. And she's wonderful. And then the credit came up and was like, that's Georgia? Because right. she, she makes a couple of appearances in a TV show that David Tennant did during the lockdown. Uh, yes, which I still haven't watched. It's very, very funny. Uh, and she's yeah. in it. Uh, and so I've seen her before. But, you know, she doesn't have the blonde hair, so I didn't immediately recognize her. Right. Uh, You know, the way that you could almost immediately not recognize David Tennant with his full beard and his super long hair uh, as he has right now, as opposed to what he has in the TV show. But I I found that to be sort of the most rewarding part of this episode uh, from a not character related uh happening was reading that credit and going that's georgia wait a minute Uh, so it's great to know that that's exactly when they met yep (laughs) it's a great it's a great bit of trivia you know the fact that she is the doctor's daughter and then became the doctor's wife you know right and that she gets to play the doctor's daughter like yes she officially gets to you know so it was basically typecasting. It's it's nepotism. Totally. totally. Well, <laughs> she, she had auditioned for a different role in a different episode. And um, then they cast her in this. And they said, you know, it was just by chance that they cast her as the doctor's daughter. And I'm like, there's no way they didn't do that on purpose. There's no right. way. The, yeah. Uh, if you're working on the show, you knew who she was. Exactly. Uh, although, because I didn't know who she was as she was, you know, doing her bid in the show, I was like, wow, she's really cool. I hope she gets to stick around maybe as a companion. Yes. <laughs> so, she would have been a super fun companion. I would have loved to have seen her do a couple of episodes and come back. I mean, it, there's always still a chance, right? I mean, it, the she's show is still, still actively, uh, you know, being written. So. Exactly. She's, maybe she'll get her own like spinoff series. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be super fun. <laughs> you know, it'll just be the doctor's daughter. Uh, I love it. I guess she's done a couple of like the audio books or things like that. They've, they've done a couple of episodes with her doing it that way. But I, I have yet to dive into those and I'm really yeah, looking either. forward to because uh, uh, just recently, there was a whole new set of series, a uh, new set of uh, Ninth Doctor stories released mm-hmm. with uh, with the original actor. So I, I really, uh, I, I really do need to jump into those and mm-hmm. uh, and listen. But uh, now would be the time that uh, we get to hear uh, the lovely tidbits, and I'm sure uh, we talked about some of them. But uh, Ashley, what what do you have for us this week? This is Ashley's TARDIS Tidbits for Series 4, Episode 6, The Doctor's Daughter. Probably the biggest tidbit of this episode that most Whovians know is the identity of Jenny herself. She's played by Georgia Moffat, who is the actual daughter of the fifth Doctor, Peter Davison. She also met a certain David Tennant on this episode, 
They fell in love and got married on December 30th, 2011. So now, as Georgia Tennant, she is the doctor's daughter and the doctor's wife. Georgia also originally auditioned for Rose Tyler back at the beginning of Series 1. Jenny's acrobatics through the lasers were actually inspired by Britney Spears' toxic music video. And even though the Hath only communicated by gurgling bubbles, writer Stephen Greenhorde actually did write dialogue in the script to give the actors under the masks an idea of how their characters should be reacting and behaving. The two Hath that are in the credits appear to be named after some famous Hollywood actors, Hath Peck and Hath Gable, a reference to the great Gregory Peck and Clark Gable. The scar left on the doctor's hand after the cloning machine attacks him is the same shape as the one on the child's hand from the Series 1 episode, The Empty Child. The original ending was to keep Jenny killed off. However, Stephen Moffat suggested that Jenny should be revived at the end of the episode. Who knows what could happen next? And awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley. As always, I love the tidbits. Uh, they just kind of fill out, like I said at the beginning, all of that knowledge that as a first timer, sometimes you miss. And this way you get the the fullest experience of watching an episode. But now, Jamie, is there anything that I missed uh, out of this episode that I'm going to kick myself for not having noticed that may or may not come back in the future? You know, I don't know if there's anything that you kick yourself over. I do. I think that we should just mention um, George's Olympic gymnastic moment because that's pretty spectacular. So, <laughs> was that really her, or was that a stunt double? I don't think so. I think it was probably a stunt double, but still, I mean, I mean, you she know, gets the gold for getting out for of sure. Uh, <laughs> for sure. I loved um, Donna's reaction to that. It's like, no, no way. way. <laughs> and the doctor's like, yep, that that's happening. <laughs> yes. Um, one other thing that happens that I think is interesting in this episode, and I don't know that it happens before or after, and I could be wrong, but the doctor picks up a gun mm-hmm. in this episode at the end there. And the doctor is pretty on record as being pretty anti-weapon, particularly anti-gun. Um, and so I've got goosebumps in that moment when he picks up that gun and, and holds it, you know, and then says that I would never, I would never, but for a brief second, you really think that he could. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's sort of the point is that he, he could, he's got it in him, but he stops himself because he would never. But I, I think it might be one of the few, if not only times that he actually physically touches a gun and, and holds it as a gun is supposed to be held, you know? Right. Um, so I, I think that that's a really interesting and important moment that, that, you know, he shows us that he absolutely could do it, but he, you know, has the capacity to stop himself. So when he, when he needs to, he can stop himself from the violence. And it makes me think about, you know, the time wars and, the knowing that he can stop himself, could he stop himself then? Or did he not stop himself on purpose because he had to do what he had to do? You know? So I, I think it's just an interesting moment with his character. 
Well, in a few episodes ago, in the Pompeii episode, he talks to Donna and mentions how, you know, one of the curse, uh, one of the curses or the the downsides to being a time lord is that he sees the entirety of time, everything that is, mm-hmm. everything that shouldn't. And I think, you know, uh, to to your point, I think the time war is one of those things that he 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 could see all of the alternatives of what was happening, all the mm-hmm. things that should not happen coming out of it. So it was almost like he had to, mm-hmm. um, but it's clearly haunted him and it's bothered him. And it, it has, you know, in, in the most recent episodes, we start to see that it is really crystallized into that there. We are not going to be violent. We are not going to, attack we are going to give people the benefit of the doubt we are going to give people the choice uh because there was even that moment with the santarum where he clearly he knew the santarum were never going to relent but he had to give them the choice yes uh you know there was the guilt attached to what happened to the oud uh the first time he met them uh and of course you know he chose the <laughs> the best option which was to protect the universe from the evil that was uh potentially about to be unleashed out of that planet so what happens the next time he comes across them nope he's got to do everything he can to help them and i love that you brought that moment up because especially in the moment in history that we are currently living through i wish we could have sort of sort of a catalytic moment like that of somebody sort of showing everybody no let let your mm-hmm. legacy let this uh this new planet this new thing that is being created be derived from this moment of the man that wouldn't mm-hmm. And I love that message. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I love the show, but every week it gets better and better. And that was such a wonderful way to sort of button up this whole episode of just mm-hmm. showing that there is another way that mm-hmm. he is absolutely capable and he could absolutely pull that trigger or worse on that, on that uh, general, but that he doesn't. And that right. he shows him mercy and that right. there is importance in that mercy and people should learn from it. And I love yeah. that message. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and that's why I love the doctor and I love the show. And I'm so glad that especially this episode I got to share with you, Jamie. Me too. Me too. And I believe it was in a past episode that he mentioned about being married and having children. And uh, we were talking uh, about it together. So it was very fitting that this is the episode that you come back to for the series. Yes. So thank you so much for uh, returning, Jamie. I'm always happy to be here. And thank you, dear listener, for making it through the end of another First Time Lord. I greatly, deeply appreciate every single one of you for listening every week. And 
Here's where I tell you how you can support the podcast. First off, go to our website, firsttimelord.com. There you can comment on this episode or all of our previous episodes. Let us know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, what do you What do you think the doctor's daughter has been up to? Uh, I would love to hear it now that I know that it won't spoil the upcoming episodes. Let's <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's uh, let's have some fan theories on what the doctor's daughter has been up to. You can also support the podcast by going to our merch shop. We have some awesome t-shirts and uh, lots of fun stuff there. Give it a try. If merch is not your thing, but you still want to financially support the show, you can become a subscriber through Patreon by following the link on firsttimelord.com or searching for Daniel Levain on Patreon. That way you can help out. Or most importantly, share the show. If you know somebody in your life that, like me, procrastinated through their entire existence, now is the time to introduce them to the doctor and show them how amazing this show is and have them discover the show along with me. So please share the show. And if you do share the show, you can share it through our Facebook page, which is First Time Lord on Facebook. Uh, Also, you can leave us comments there as well. There's plenty of places that you can reach me and let us know what you're thinking of the show. But I guess I'm out of time this week and I better jump on to my TARDIS and uh, find out where she's going to take me to next time. I'll see you, everybody next week. <laughs>